millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Oh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this. It is the Infrequent Flying Podcast pilot episodes. And as always, I am joined by our three pilots. So, Paul Godfrey, how are you? I'm very good. Just driven back from a maritime aviation conference at Yeovilton today, which was very interesting. A maritime aviation conference. Now, that sounds awesome. In fact, you weren't only in the maritime aviation conference recently. Weren't you in something else, uh, which I saw saw on Twitter, some other conference? Oh, and you've been presenting to the NHS about aircraft safety. I know. I've done it you know i wrote it down because i I had a quick look and obviously our last one was d-day um which which is over a month ago so uh, that is fairly infrequent um flying there but um yeah i was at the maritime aviation conference uh last week i presented on safety culture at the nhs uh, patient safety conference um i was at the rf benevolent fund awards i climbed ben nevis i've been on holiday in france and i went to the usa to look at uh u.s marine corps integration and went to a dinner for the end of the uh united kingdom flying at beaufort marine corps air station beaufort wow in south carolina are you reading that out goddess no that was all from it down the top. on a list that was from the top of my head you look like you re- you've it, written it, it down sound a little bit preparation like there. it sounds a little bit like you like read it out uh, well, uh, of that piece of paper there. Uh, yes, that's a piece of paper. Could you try and be a little bit more natural and? Uh, uh... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got a script for that. Uh, yes, yes, I can. Sorry, Parker. What was that? You ready for your big list? What you've been doing? Hang oh, on, hang on, hang on. Before, be, before we get, before we get to Duncan. We're also joined by Parky. Hello, Parky. How are you? Just finding my paper. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Does you... your paper say flu spitfires? <laughs> Five times says, a day. I've been very busy and have flown lots of spitfires. <laughs> I'm tired it, because I've been doing what I love. Is that right, Parky? Is that a, a yeah, correct that, summary? That kind of covers it, to be honest. Yep, that's hey. it. That's all my list says. Parky, on, on Twitter the other day, I'm pretty sure, are they about to fly, a, not a new Spitfire, but a Spitfire which hasn't flown for a long time, a silver thing? Yeah, yeah it's, it's flown loads. I was talking to Jim Schofield, who was just off, and he flew last week three hours 30 in it. Wow. Just off what? He went, up, he went up to Wales and back, didn't he? I think he went to Cornwall, he was saying, down that neck of the woods. But uh, yeah, 
so, was uh, it's got fuel everywhere it's going around the world so uh yeah right it's, uh, it's got a bit of petrol so it, i mean it looks superbly cool but just tell me a bit about the aircraft what you know, what mark is it um how how has all this come about It's uh, Boltby trying to, yeah, two two pilots want to fly a Spitfire around the world. Uh, and they've got this uh, Mark 9, very original, and they've had it restored. And before they take it around the world, they're going to put 50 hours on it, you know, to make sure all the systems, the fuel, the engine's bed in, everything's working sweet. But the guy who built it, a guy called Mo Overall, you know, they, he, uh, I think JR flew it on his first trip, sort of landed. And literally, there was nothing wrong with it. And there was not even any dribbles of oil on the underside it's been remarkable it has wow. just been been sweet yeah so i think they've i think they've put already about sort of 15 20 hours on it already so uh, and i i'm kind of thinking they set off in august something like that maybe early august and uh and you know they're away for about three months and it should come back november and where does one find a silver spitfire i mean is this lots of different parts of cobbled together or was it one airframe they've restored yeah, just one airframe, and uh, it's got lots of the original skin, and it's, you know, they just polished it. <laughs> wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and with the, uh, just a quick question there, Parky, because you know what? I can't even remember. But um, do you remember MK was painted silver uh, when I was on BBMF? Um, and it was, so she was um, in the colors of a. Uh, um, a Spitfire, for, oh, I can't Spotsy, remember the score. Yeah, that, was it 601 that was in uh, Italy towards the, se- the the end of the Second World War as the Allies advanced up through Italy? Yeah. Um, were th- they weren't painted silver at the time. Any silver Spitfires are the ones that just hadn't been painted. Is that correct? Exactly. They, they just, I think Paul Black had just found a picture and it was um, Ibbotson, wasn't it, Dunk? He was the pilot who got killed. But yeah, he, he'd flown right. it and they were doing, yeah, bombing sorties, but for whatever reason, this one arrived, which is kind of weird, arrived in ops and they'd forgotten to paint it. And it literally was just, you know, bare metal. And they, you know, and it flew some ops in, in bare metal, which is kind of weird. Wow. So I, I thought he just did that to, to make it look cool, but actually it looked like that. So is it was it bare metal with no markings? I think they then put some markings on it. Yeah, because it had markings when we flew it. And then they put a black a black sort of uh, on the on the top of the uh, on the engine because you would get so much glare and i was talking to the mates that you know have flown this silver one and if you can imagine you know the sun reflecting off the wing is so shiny you know it's just dazzling so you know i imagine it will will be just you know quite distracting at times you know yeah. because uh, you know it is it is so bright it's beautiful but uh, Mind you, yeah, hey, I think that, uh, hey hey pilot episodes book club moment there is a book called Silver Spitfire by the famous Tom Neal, um, who we had the great pleasure of, uh, of meeting and chatting to sometimes. Uh, and sadly, he's gone to the big crew room in the sky now. Uh, but that book is about him finding uh, one of these Silver Spitfires and actually then trying to offload it because he was worried that he would get into trouble. But effectively, having nicked a Spitfire that was just <laughs> that's just left, so uh, it's a fantastic read. So that is um, book, book recommend one for this particular episode. Well, hey, I, will, I will retweet that. Hey. Yes, get it out there. So here we go. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you. To, I don't, don't want you to answer it. Think about it. 
which in in your mind is the best Spitfire uh, paint scheme? Think about it whilst I introduce our third pilot, Duncan. In fact, Duncan Mason, who is actually now a Mason. <laughs> in the building sense rather than the <laughs> yeah, Freemason sense. Yeah, yeah, not as yes. in the sense of like you get off police charges and that kind of thing, as in like yeah, exactly. actual, actual building. Although there's been. No, never mind. Uh, yeah, it's the old. It's the funny handshakes. No, I've. Uh, yeah, I've been doing a bit of a building course. I'm, I'm going to go into a new career. Yeah, I mean. Need, if anyone needs any building stuff doing. <laughs> Not so, of all the things that you thought that you'd be good at, you know, after spending your life in the sky, why did you think it'd be bricklaying, of all things? Flemish bonds and whatnot. Flemish bond? Look at you with your knowledge. Oh, stop it. English garden bond. Oh, yeah. I could reel them all off. Um, yeah, um, I just thought it might come in handy. <laughs> For what? <laughs> <laughs> For building things. Well, you know, when you've got a... Uh, you know, a building a uh, a portfolio as large as mine. Exactly. You never know when it might come in uh, in come in handy. JB, that is the bottom line. That Dunk always has been as tight as a gnat's chuff, <laughs> and <laughs> will never ever ever pay anyone else to do any work. So this is exactly the reason he's learning so that he can do it and yes. not spend any money. Ah, um, not not so you can work on a building site for Wimpy Homes. I, I might have to do that. Do Wimpy use bricks? I've got no idea. Yeah. I don't. I think it's all prefabricated now, isn't it? Just dumped on a, you know, dumped on a housing <laughs> yeah. estate. I've got no idea. The, 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 the funny thing is, um, uh, and this won't do my advertising campaign very much good in terms of building work, but uh, so the guy that was uh, that was was teaching us, uh, he, he's a great guy, a Liverpudlian fella, and uh, <laughs> he, um, he he was saying that the guys, the really good bricklayers. Um, you know, if they are absolutely smashing it out, they can do a thousand bricks a day. So a I, thousand bricks a day. So that doesn't really mean much to me. Can you put that into context? Like, what is that like? Um, you know, how many meters of wall or something? Well, it depends how high it is, and uh, and that sort of thing. And, and, and uh, the <laughs> only, are we, we're talking Game of this, Thrones. This will wall. this will put it into context. I did 30, 30 in a day. Oh, my so, word. Yes. And and how big was that? Was that like a double thickness wall? It was a double thickness wall. It was not big. Very small. <laughs> wow. Not big at so, all. Probably slightly smaller than the desk that you're sitting at. And well, it's probably not... 15 brick size. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think you're probably about right, Parky. Yeah. So it's not just bricklaying you've done. You've done plastering too. A man of many talents. Yeah, but he's been plastering this week and then block paving next week. So uh, it's been it's <laughs> very it's very interesting. It is genuinely is it? interesting learning stuff. So before we came on air, I was I was just saying to the boys, I'd love to learn how to parquet floor. That, that that's what I want to do. I want to be able to floor or tile. Um, so someone needs to uh, to tweet in with a link to a parquet flooring video. Yeah. Or have you already looked at them? Well, I've looked at many, many. But if there's someone out there who, who wants to fit a parquet floor in exchange for cups of tea and a chat, <laughs> please get in touch. We can give them signed books. Which, by the way, have you sent those that... signed books off? Well, no, I haven't because we've not been together to sign the books. Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. So if you're listening, I think it was Joe, wasn't it? Yeah, we've Joe. not forgotten. We will get these books signed. We will get these books to you. Uh, competitions we, we hadn't thought about, really, and uh, getting together is uh, is definitely something we need to do. So Just going just going back a step, though, JB, yeah. um, 
does that has that ever worked for you when you've said to someone that sort of get you know provides a service let's say parquet flooring where you've just asked um cups of tea and a chat as a payment is that <laughs> there, there will be real payment just getting just get in contact because i need a bloody floor <laughs> Uh, although you know you'd be amazed who comes forward you know, which kind samaritans want to offer their services when you're on a podcast you'd be amazed um right we've had enough chit chat have you boys had a, a thought of the quintessential spitfire paint job then well if i mean if you're talking quintessential for me it's Actually, dark, it was, yeah. it, because it's the first one i ever saw it has to be the battle of britain um camouflage paint job um you know the, uh, and actually i I flew the Hurricane first on BBMF and that was utterly brilliant getting into a old school, you know, brown and green. In fact, Parky will know the exact colours um, out of the uh, the Humbrol or the Airfix paints, but getting into that. Then I flew the Silver Spitfire and honestly seeing the, a, a silver elliptical wing was amazing. But it was when I got into a camouflage, um, I think it was the Mark V, that I thought that's it. Uh, you know, shoot me now. I'm happy. I'm in one of those old school camouflage airplanes that I loved when I was a kid. So, was so that that's the, mine. So the Mark V, uh, obviously it, fl- it flew in the ba- 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 Battle of Britain. Was that in like desert scheme? Because I always think of the Mark V with its clipped wings and its dust, um, its little dust box from either Malta or North Africa. No, I don't think the Mark V was in the battle. Was any Mark no, it's after the battle. No, um, one and two. Yeah. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Then. Well, I always think of it from the North Africa c- campaign. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm with uh, I'm with Goddess on Goddess on the, uh, the the brown and green. When when you fly them at sort of uh, sunset, they turn into a gold colour, which is massively uh, special when you're flying around. And it's spectacular, especially in formation with another one. But uh, Dunk, was it when you were boss when? TE311, the Mark 16, and it, it needed a paint job, but we couldn't fit it in. So it was either going to be lime green or matte black. And eventually we settled on matte black. Lime green? It was, it, yeah, it was no, just no. a primer. No, that was Millie's tar. I'd gone. I'd gone. Ah, okay. But it was one of those, it came out and they obviously went for the match we went to. People went, that looks super cool because it was just black. But, uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a paint job. It had no markings other than it was just this matte black Spitfire. It looked really neat. Yeah, that is pretty cool because I really like the matte black night fighting mosquito. I think that looks amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. What about you, Dunk? Well, you know, I would be probably pretty um, pretty similar along the lines. But I think what's what we should think about, and perhaps we we can't do it now. We might be able to do a smaller version of it, but the nose art, I think, you know, because the camouflage yeah, did sort of change slightly, and you know, you could even get into the really dreeby stuff about how the roundels changed. Oh, they had a yellow rim on that one. Um, so, you know, there was there's all sorts of uh, stuff that you get into. But, but hang on, think, hang on a sec, Dunk. For anyone listening, Dunk actually went into his normal voice. He's you're just hearing you're just hearing his broadcasting voice for most of the rest of the time. Exactly. It's yeah, it's and he's pretending that he does care about roundels as well, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh well uh so nose art you said trying to uh steer back away from my voice uh is uh is again. the nose art i think is uh is really quite quite cool and there was some some really interesting stuff like we had um donald duck 
um was the uh, was the first was the mark five that you're talking about you had the uh, Dom- yeah, with the polish the, uh, with the, um yeah of um oh i can't remember his name it fin- it ends in ski yes yeah uh, no the yeah that was no that was Jan Jan Zumbach, Zumbach. wasn't it oh yeah Jan Zumbach. Jan that was Zumbach. it Oh uh, no! Wasn't he the hurricane, the night fight? We're getting confused. No, that, that was Carol Cuttlebasher. Oh yeah, good knowledge, Parker. Well done, mate. Yes, uh, this is why yeah. Parky remembers the approach speed in Flapless in a Phantom. Yeah. Hundred and fifty-five. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out for any children listening. Um, that's an aviation term. This is not explicit. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but the, so you had the Reaper on that hurricane, didn't you? That that was that was quite cool, but looked like it had been painted by someone age age five. I like the Wasp, the One Squadron Wasp. Yeah, the One Squadron Wasp was good. Yeah. What about you, JB? Uh, any particular? Um, I, you know, have you? I'm not sure we've had this conversation, but you know, were you into aviation as a kid? Do you remember Spitfire American? I've not really, to be honest. Like the nose art is weird for me because I don't really understand it. I don't. I like to understand things, so I don't know. Is the nose art done by the individual or is it done by the squadron? The the uh, the, the bomber crew, I think, would choose it, or the fighter mate would choose what he wanted, and depending on whether he was good at art or, you know, get one of the lads to do it, I think would be the deal. And then clearly they, you know, there'd be some guy that would be painting the swastikas on for kills. Um, and, you know, they did, they, the, the aircraft just got more and more, you know, personalized, didn't they? You know, as, I guess as you flew it longer, it must've been miserable when somebody borrowed your aircraft or got shot down. And that was, yeah. 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 There's a, there's a so, nice story actually about um so one of the bomb aimers on the Lancaster was a guy called uh, Wing Commander John Bell uh, DFC and we we painted the nose of the Lancaster as Thumper Mark 3 and um Clive Rowley who is a former boss of BBMF and uh, an avid historian had uh, researched the aeroplane and uh, the provenance of it and it was a fantastic aircraft you know it had been to Berlin numerous times it had shot down a night fighter uh, and the nose art was well of Thumper the rabbit with what looks like a beer um at, at the, you know holding up a beer uh, and uh, but we didn't really know why it was Thumper Mark III, uh, but John told us that his original crew, um, they had, when they first started flying the Lancaster, the pilot would always go up with an experienced crew. So a rookie pilot, new on the squadron, he would always go up with an experienced crew to experience going over, you know, one of the very heavily defended towns that they were bombing before actually going off and taking his own aircraft. Um, And John's crew, or the pilot from it, um, went off with an aircraft, um, a crew in an aircraft which was called Thumper, with that same nose art on. Um, And he then, unfortunately, Thumper then, five or six missions later, got shot down with the loss of all crew. Um, and this was on 619 Squadron, not 617 Squadron. Uh, 617 was the the aircraft that the um, the squadron, sorry, that that aircraft was on. So, uh, but this was on 619 Squadron. Um, and they then had um, Thumper Mark II came along and, and then was, uh, was lost, uh, was just so badly shot up that 
that it, it couldn't be used anymore. Um, and then, um, but John, when they when they joined Six One Seven Squadron, the the pilot said he learned so much from that crew that had unfortunately been shot down and lost. But he he credited his survival through that first operational tour and that of his crew. Uh, and then on to the special uh, special operations squadron, which 617 was, he credited that so highly that that's why they called it Thumper Mark III. He wanted to keep that the same. And that could probably lead on to, you know, there was numerous superstitions and people wouldn't go flying unless they had a, you know, their lucky necklace or bracelet or whatever it was that their you know sweetheart had given them but uh, i thought it was quite an amazing story and uh, and quite touching actually as well yeah very much Did, so. uh, any of you boys got any superstitions with flying or ever have uh, i haven't not in terms of uh, you know wearing anything in particular or have you I it, it was after i took uh ab910 off the uh, off the side of the runway at um uh, at Coningsby, um, Smithy said, bef- uh, so, um, our, so what uh, is AV, a- whatever it was, AV 910 is a, um, uh, it, no, is a Spitfire, Mark five Spitfire. She was absolutely, I'm sure I've told the story, but, um, I'd, I'd flown the hurricane converted to the Spitfire on the Mark nine. And I think we've mentioned before at the time, I believe she is fixed now. Um, at the time, the Mark nine on on um bbmf uh was a little bit of a pig um so it was a quite a stable spitfire landed really nicely and and that would be the first one that you uh, that you flew then i got into uh the mark five which uh, you know just blew my socks off was so well balanced in the stick was really light as soon as you put the power up you know the tail came up and your sort of head went back into the uh, uh into the headrest and i took off in her and thought wow you know this is one of the most amazing airplanes i've ever flown really light on the touch um displayed in her and it was uh, it was the short runway at coningsby on a gusty day and basically i rushed bringing the tail down um you know i could see the intersection coming up probably forced the tail down at the same time there was a gust of wind and as the boys will tell you she used to go right on landing anyway i don't know what it was uh, about her and um the wing lifted on the left hand side and i thought oh, flipping i'm gonna cartwheel but she didn't she just arced majestically off the side of the runway narrowly missed the uh, the windsock was wrestling about with her um and the wheel came down again but then came up on the right hand side and so i arced back onto the runway you know came to a, a halt um you know started breaking the tail starting up i thought i better not dig the prop in but got back onto the runway and then slowed down and stopped um at that point i'd forgotten how to turn this one off because she had a a different um lean mechanism to uh, the previous one that i'd flown which was on the throttle this was a, a little loop underneath the, the combing so uh, i sat there r- running for a bit wondering how i was going to turn the engine off um but uh um I, that was also the trip that smithy so you know the guy i started talking about had uh had lent in the into the cockpit ju- just before i went flying i think it was standard and said uh, right if you're going to crash you make sure you kill yourself because if you don't i will <laughs> um, <laughs> but nice. it was art so after that incident and um, smithy had said to me he said uh did you give her a kiss before you went flying i went what 
He said, did you give her a kiss? And it was one, it was one of those things. I, you know, I don't think I did it with every aeroplane, but I did it with her. It was like a horse, you know, a, uh, some sort of wild <laughs> horse that you'd made peace with. Um, I gave her a kiss every time I went flying and we were cool after that. Every time I gave her a kiss, she behaved herself. <laughs> if you want to see what Parky did to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the pep talk too. Hey, do you want... To, to answer your question on uh, best nose art, it's not really nose art, it is cheating slightly, but I love the emblem of 302 Squadron, which was a Polish squadron. And I don't know what the bird is, it basically looks like a crow to me, but I but I, uh, I, I love that badge. Oh, I'm going to have to look that one up, I don't know that one off the top of my head. It's, by, it's basically a massive crow, it's cool, very cool. <laughs> Did they all have it on, on their aeroplanes or uh, was there a? Um, it is. It's literally the squadron badge for three for three hundred two. It's in. Um, well, that's it. For, saw it in um, in the RAF club. Ah. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, it's Parky, what about superstitions? Have you got one? Well, the, yeah. When we finished on ninety two squadron on the Phantom, we were all in the pub that night, and we agreed that if anybody was ever caught without having his 92 op badge so it's a cobra with uh, uh fight or die so the motto uh they would uh, have to sort of yam pint of beer endlessly so i always have one in my wallet and then when i met jeff wellham for the first time uh, i nervously asked him to sign it and he's he's signed it you know jeffrey wellham biggin hill 1940 on the back of my uh 92 op patch and that that's always flown with me and uh and it always works nice. that's very yeah. cool Mate, that's, that's kept me nice, safe, that's a hasn't nice it? superstition. <laughs> yeah. Do you think about that uh, landing AB incident daily, by the way, Goddard? Uh No, no. So it's a. I talk about um, mistakes I've made uh, on a reasonably frequent basis because, you know, when I spoke at that NHS conference the other day, I talked talked about the you know when i took the harrier off the end of, no this wasn't a regular occurrence but when i took the harrier off the end of the runway because what i was talking about was safety culture and you know in a um in a question the, the you know there's a bunch of different terms uh, different types of culture but for you know me as a station commander if i didn't admit my mistakes then no one was going to admit mistakes so um i will always uh, I, I talk about the fact that in a, you know i was always first in a debrief to admit things that i'd screwed up or, or uh, you know i'm completely open about um you know things that have happened to me so that other people can learn the lessons so i, I i'm just used to telling the story um you know uh, probably on a daily basis mm. uh, sorry i'm just looking up um the ninth uh, the 92 badge i didn't realize that, that it had a cobra on there's a, a 92 badge here, a little pin badge of a Cobra on English Electric Lightning, and it looks bloody cool. I think yeah, it's a yeah. Lightning. Ni- yeah, it That's is. 92 were, uh, they were, you know, they've always been fighters, and uh, yeah, they were Lightning, then they went Phantoms, you know, I think sort of like late 70s. But they were out in Germany, so they did uh, Battle Flight, it was called, you know, to scramble against the, the Russians at the time, and... It must have been awesome. It was low-level flying lightnings, you know, around Germany, those boys. There must be some amazing stories. Oh, I can only imagine. I think you had to scramble in five minutes, as we did with the Phantom, you know, on Battleflight. Uh, you know, from sitting in your, watching a, a, a video at the time uh, to uh, airborne in five minutes. It was, it was well quick. Um, now, I, I know you boys are all fairly transient in terms of how many squadrons that you, you know, serve with. Have any of you got any particular favourite squadrons or any paraphernalia still? 
Uh, I tell you, when you get to the end of serving with a squadron, you generally get given a tankard. <laughs> so I, I think I've got I've got a lot of tankards from different squadrons, uh, and some of them are pewter and some of them are uh, a crystal. Uh, and I do quite like having an ale out of uh, one or two of those. And sometimes you know you go oh, out of a four squadron one or a nineteen squadron one or a you know whatever it is. Yeah, because it's interesting. What what um. What cummerbund did you wear to the Harrier reunion the other day, Dunk? Uh, a four-squadron one. Yeah, so I wore a four-squadron one uh, to that. And so I think, I hadn't particularly thought about it before, but I think because that was my first squadron as a, you know, as a brand new fighter pilot, I probably got a, a you know, a definite soft spot for four, um, which is why I ended up I wearing that cummerbund. Reason. Because I went through the same mindset as you. I thought, well, I'll wear my three-squadron cummerbund. But I couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with four. <laughs> what about you, Parco? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you do. You, you get ridiculously loyal to your squadron, don't you? And then you get posted to another squadron and that's it. Your loyalty changes something. But um, de- definitely 92, I think, with all the things I did with Jeff. And it, it was a great bunch of mates at the time. Uh, and it was sort of the end of the Phantom and it sort of it folded overnight. We were the sister squadron was 19. So and it, it's weird again. We used to sort of obviously hate each other, but love each other as a, as a sort of fellow squadron at Fieldenrath. And we planned on a massive booze up when 1992, so 19 and 92, we thought that is going to be a monster. We'll actually have a party with those other idiots from 19 squadron but tragically 92 folded at the end of 91 oh. <laughs> yeah. oh. it would have, would have been a belter oh that would have been good wouldn't it yeah the uh, yeah jb a cup of tea instead because the uh, jb because um you know you, i mean you've seen flying suits and because you change squadrons and stuff you know generally it's velcro and it was also a, a, a sort of war going thing you take all your badges off before you you, you go to war ever because they right? you can't be identified from a particular unit um so so the, there's always been a saying since we've been wearing badges like that that loyalty is velcro deep very nice very nice indeed i didn't realize that you had to take off all of your badges yeah i mean what's the what's the logic i mean they know what they shot then, down yeah but deny everything baldrick <laughs> there you go there you go very, uh, very interesting gents um, do you have some questions, Goddard? Shall we get straight into them? Yeah, uh, and that's what we thought we were going to do today, wouldn't it? Just spend a, a bit of extra time on uh, on questions. So well, you, um, say, you say get straight into them, but we've just been ditting on for right. about 50 minutes. Well, we did say we got, Okay, so I've, I've got one here. It's from uh, Kremlin Boy 652 um, What happened to the aircraft carrier? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so... Um, actually, there was a thing on Twitter that summed it up pretty well. So uh, she was out... Um, uh, doing her, you know, expanding sort of helicopter limits, Apaches were, were landing everything. Um, and the, all ships have uh, a high-pressure firefighting water main that's filled with salt water. Um, and it just so happened that she had a, uh, um, uh, it was clearly, I, I don't know the details, but um, there was obviously a fault and, uh, and one of the pipes burst. Um, so uh, they had a, a teensy bit of a flood on uh, on one of the uh, one of the decks. And, um, but, squared it away you know um 
as Dunk will tell you, you know, he spent a lot more time on ships than I have. But the entire crew were trained in firefighting and damage control and all that sort of stuff. And they they did the full up, you know, close the bulkhead doors, do what they needed to get the wooden wedges out um, and, um, you know, stopped it. And uh, just as a precaution, sail back to Portsmouth because <clears throat> she's sailing um in a in a month or two across to the united states because we're we're putting frontline f-35s on for the first time Ooh. um so you know best go back fix it you know work out that all is good so she can uh, she can get back out again and i guess if it's going to happen best do it now uh close to home port um and that's exactly we're still in the phase where they're ironing out the kinks uh, you know because there has never been one of these before this is the first there wasn't a prototype beforehand um and you think she you know she's been to and from the states already as sort of circumnavigated the uk a couple of times already um so uh you know they're still in the process of ironing out everything making sure that everything's good uh, you know getting her to settle in and we're adding new capability all the time you know she was alongside previously the last couple of months whilst they uh, added additional capability they go out they go and test it they come back do a bit more um and all incremental until we go on the first operational deployment in uh, in 2021 now just a quick question on it how long does it take that that ship to get to the united states um it, it, i was about to say it's as long as they want really but clearly um they, they uh they can't do 90 knots uh, across the atlantic um I, they could if they wanted to you know they could go to um uh, uh you know their standard defense watches or, or whatever it happens to be you know so everyone's working all of the time um and they can just press and you don't know, tell him you can, you can guess the sort don't of speed him. an aircraft carrier does um and therefore you can work out how far she'd go to cross i don't know yeah but like is it a week is it two more. weeks i mean what, what was the standard atlantic cro- atlantic crossing for a cruise ship i, I have no idea four four or five days or something like that. yeah it's gonna be something like that ah well uh kremlin boy 567 says thank you very much <laughs> on twitter <laughs> But but it's interesting, isn't it? That um, you know, it's it, it's part of my job, or the, you know, the, the team that I work with uh, is to work out when things are going to hit the press, or or you know, um, advise people who reply to these sorts of things. And uh, you know, as soon as there's the slightest hint of something up with F-35s or Queen Elizabeth or whatever it happens to be, it's straight on the news. You know, I was driving to Yeovilton um, uh, yesterday uh, from Bristol. Uh, I was listening to the radio, and there it is, straight on the news. Yeah, actually, that uh, I, hadn't, I think we'd heard about it the night before at work, um, but then it's on the new, on uh, you know main BBC News the following day. But what gets me about F thirty five is, well, in my mind at least, if you follow the right Twitter accounts, the process of it is remarkably transparent. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, uh, we 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 had the accusation levelled at the program actually by the um, I think it was by the House of Commons Defence Committee that um, we weren't transparent that that we weren't telling uh, you know everyone everything. Um, and I think that was uh, Deborah Haynes from the Times had done a, um, a sort of expose, if you like. But the the trouble was when it came out, it was kind of old news because the program is advancing so quickly that. You know, yes, of course, it's had snags, um, you know, through the development phase. But, um, you know, you end up answering questions of stuff that happened a year ago. Um, and people then think you're hiding something when when you when you say, no, actually, that's fixed now. Or, you know, it was never really a snag when it had been when it had made the front page. Well, before we move, uh, move off this, I'm going to just give the most geeky recommendation I've ever given. 
Go and look at an Australian Member of Parliament questioning an Australian Admiral on submarines. It's flipping brilliant because she hasn't got a clue what she's talking about. It is a it is a magnificent bit of a. Oh, the admiral or the member? Of <laughs> no, 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 no. The admiral's very clear about what he's talk, 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 uh, what he's talking about. It's brilliant. Well, that, uh, I think we always say, it, JB, but it, it continually uh, amazes me that you've actually finished the internet and have gone <laughs> to you know consider. What I, uh, you know, the discussions we have and what I listen to you and your other podcast, the amount of detail you get into rugby and what you know about that, and obviously financial advice. The fact that you're watching uh, Australian parliamentary process on submarines it is worth it's it's worth watching. Parking a floor. Yeah, whilst parking a floor. Yeah, it is worth watching. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I, I'll leave it at that. Um, right, question. So, um, now you can't see the picture unless you guys are looking at Twitter right now, but. Um, just Graham McDowell. Do that, Goddard. Yes, hello. Could we? Is Parky still alive? Yes, I am. Oh, there he is. I was just checking. Just hadn't heard from him. He's, He's very, very busy. Tired. You could see Mike fall asleep on that travel lodge. Very bed. tired. All of that flying. Um, so Graham McDowell, who I work with, um, has uh, he, we talked about this to work the other day, but he retweeted um, a. Uh, I'll tweet it out on the pilot episodes account. But it's about the Airspeeder series to debut, 120 mile an hour head-to-head manned multi-copters. So Parky and I have got these little quadcopters that we fly around the place. This is manned quadcopters in some sort of Red Bull air racing um, type style. You know, think Anakin Skywalker from that rubbish Star Wars movie. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and basically, who'd be up for this, including JB? And, um, uh, yeah, well, I'll do it. I mean, mind you, bearing in mind that when we were what four glasses of champagne deep at Farnborough uh, before it got closed down, Dunk actually said to me he confidently he would win the Red Bull Air Race. I mean, this is surely one for Dunk. Yeah, I'm in. Um, Parky, can you imagine being manning one of your little cop? I've seen a picture of one of those things, and they do look awesome. That has to have some legs as a uh, as you kind of uh, rather than your joke kit card dunk you could get something like that it'd be brilliant yeah I could have both. Am- it would be amazing you know because it is just a scaled up quadcopter it'd be a lot of fun but probably if you crash not brilliant <laughs> <laughs> no not great but then but it's not the same as just a regular helicopter it's not the same as a helicopter yeah, I think there's even more blades whirling around. I reckon it'd be less violent than a helicopter because the blades of a helicopter are so bloody big and cumbersome. I think this would be slightly better to crash. <laughs> yeah, you might just that. chop both your arms off in a freak. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with the propellers. But um, they, I wonder if they'd have those sort of ballistic parachutes in that some aircraft have now. So, it, you know, if it goes wrong, you just deploy the parachute and, and float down. Hmm. Yeah, I imagine you're going to be gooning around at about 10 feet, though, aren't you? Yeah, I was going to say that. Isn't the whole point of spectator sport like you're on the deck? Yeah, yeah, be bad. <laughs> oh, which reminds me, did, uh, had, you, had you boys noticed, I was chatting to Ben Murphy about this the other day, have you boys noticed that Red Bull Air Racing have pulled the plug? Have they? Ooh, no, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, they pulled the plug. Uh, apparently, sort of too expensive uh, for... for um, 
uh, you know, I guess for the revenue that they get out of it. So this is the last year of Red Bull Air Racing. That's a shame. Wow. That is a shame. Yeah, I didn't know that. Blimey. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, you know, speaking to Baz, um, there can't hope for the sponsor might come along, um, and uh, you know, uh, try and resurrect it. But it's a real shame because uh, you know, if you take Baz, who um, uh, was on the Harrier uh, a few years ago, um, still flies in the blades, doesn't he? Um, was leader of the Reds. Um, he. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. He had uh, he'd come through the sort of um, competitor series and had made it into the, the Premier League, if you like, the Premiership with uh, with all these hugely experienced um, Red Bull air racing pilots. And uh, he's been doing really well, you know, um, close to podium finishes and if not a podium finish, um, you know, in the last series or so. Um, so. A real shame to get the plug ball. Does anyone know anything about Red Bull air racing? Like, do you win any money when you win the thing? Is it is it lucrative potentially if you're good at it or... Do you just have to throw throw money at it year after year? I don't know. What about you, boys? No, I don't know either. The, the only thing I, I saw, you know, when I'm at Cywell, I've seen Ben get airborne in his uh, in, in his sort of turbo nutter aircraft <laughs> that he flies. And the Blades Fly Extras, which have got some pretty awesome takeoff performance. So you'll see those sort of four they short, and they, you know, they obviously climb well, accelerate well. And then I don't know what they were doing. I think they were maybe doing a photo shoot. And then Ben was in the sort of this kind of looked the same, but as if it had been a gym. <laughs> smoked 30 cigarettes a day for a year sort of thing. And this thing just got airborne and just even just just the speed you could get join on the others. So the, you're just watching him taxi in. He's almost sitting in the tail of it. The, you know, it's worse than a Spitfire in terms of landing and what you can see and everything. But unbelievable performance. I I've no real idea just how gobsmacking those things were until, you know, I sort of got close to it. Uh, you boys all like going fast in the air, right? Pretty much. Bar Dunk. Yeah. Except for Dunk. Dunk's not that keen. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you feel about fast cars? Uh, I like fast cars. So, 
I had an experience. I, yeah. I hate being a passenger in a fast car. Oh, my word. So just changing the subject slightly because it just, it's just come into my head. Um, I had an experience a couple of weeks ago. Bearing in mind, I do have a car at the moment. I cycle everywhere because I live in Manchester and it, it just does. It works better for me to cycle. I went back to Wales and next door to my parents' house, there were some men playing with an aerial atom. I went, do you know what, boys? I wouldn't mind having a trip in that. Frankly, the worst experience I have ever had in my entire life. <laughs> Why? Uh, 0-60 to 60 in 2.8. It was horrific. It is one of the worst. It is one of the worst things I've ever, that I've ever done. Like, why? What? You, why is that bad? Why bad? I, I just, we we like your passenger. Passenger. It was horrific. It, like you think that the engine makes this noise, right? So it. it I thought the man next to me was screaming as he accelerated. It. Uh, it wasn't. It was the sound of the engine. It was bizarre. <laughs> and also, now that would be unnerving, wouldn't it? If <laughs> yeah. the man drove. I thought he's. I thought he's saying that. I thought he's in what? I think I'd be nervous. This has never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you the other thing as well. You can see where the I've wheel. I've never driven it. You, well, you can see where the wheel goes. You don't see that on normal cars. So as you're accelerating, you can see the wheel going towards the verge of the grass. I'm like, oh my god, we're going to die. We're clearly. I went. I only went four miles in it. I never ever get in a fast car ever again. I'm assuming flying's a lot different though. Yeah, you don't see the wheels go round. <laughs> that is true. Uh, oh, which reminds me, actually, I found the other day. I'm going to have to find it again. I wish I'd saved the website. But there's this. Uh, it's a website that is dedicated to ridiculous low flying from sort of um, World War Two onwards. Um, I'll read it. I'll, I'll see if I can find it and retweet the link. Um, it's probably worth us looking at a few of the photos together on one of these pods because there is some ridiculous stuff. Do any of you see um, it's the not video the, um... I retweeted the other day of the Eurocopters doing a low fly past? Yes, I, I was in a Turkish air, air show or something. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. It's not the um, it's not the navigation people, is it, that you're thinking of? Royal Society of Navigation or, some, or something like that? Um, no, it wasn't. I'll find it and I'll, uh, I'll tweet it out because it is amazing. Because they've got some uh, ridiculous ones. Let's have a look. Right. Um, next one. This is uh, clear of cloud. Is there a time in the near future when all birds can or will be no longer flown for lack of air shows, maintenance, crew resources? Parky. Mm. I mean, it's no support. For example, we, you, the Air and Edge has got a single-seat Spitfire, a two-seater, and the single-seater's been around probably <clears throat> six years, and the two-seater's been around three years. And the single-seater's got 120 hours on it, and the two-seater's got 360. So, you know, three times the amount of flying, and it's only been around for half the time. The, the, just the demand at the moment to keep them going, you know, to make money, to, to pay for them, because it's such an expensive game. Is the the two seater passenger flying, and I, you know, it's it's wonderful that you know the air shows still exist, and you know people do still put these aircraft up. But I, I don't think that's a way of you know making a lot of money at air shows. It, you know, so to answer that question, I just hope you know that there will be you know all the the, the single seats, you know, warbirds flying because it's just wonderful to have them there. But um, you know, it, it's it's it costs a lot of money. So it's a good question. Has, so do you think that change in CAA ruling where people can fly two-seat spits for money has, has done that? 
you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, and it, it keeps the interest, you know, in all of them. I saw that they're, they're building, um, I think it's uh, Peter Teichman's old hurricane there. They're converting that into a two-seater. I don't really? know if you've seen that, Dunk. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, they've sort of slightly extended the canopy, it looked to me. So you, you'll sit very close, a bit like the sort of, you know, the Mustang. You sort of, you sit in the same cockpit, you right. know, behind each other, quite close. Not like the two-seat spit where you've got your own cockpit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's been converted. And again, that might just be, you know, sort of the writing on the wall again, just to try and be be a revenue earner, maybe. So is that Teichman's or has he sold it? No, he sold it and it's been really? converted. I think, don't quote me, but I think it's... Uh, Hawker Restorations are doing it. All right, okay. And, yeah. and what about what about air shows, Parky? You, I mean, you're you're kind of on the circuit. Um, I know they're reducing the ones that have sort of stayed are the ones out over the sea just because of insurance and so on that uh, that has made it so difficult for uh, you know sort of little fly-ins and and uh, and and sort of air fates and so on. But are we sort of air shows in a, in a couple of years? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Air Legends put one on at Headcorn last weekend. Um, and it was it was really well received. You know, it's not like the international air tattoo, but you know, it, we had good crowds, and you know, the the crowds got get really close to the aircraft down there, and the feedback was great. You know, talked to loads of people, and it was lovely. It was you know, weather was decent, and I got to shoot down a, a one hundred and nine, which was brilliant. It, it, ah. it was it was good. It was it was good fun. But you know, you're right compared to you know when we were sort of uh, you know Duncan and I on the display circuit back in the day. So many of those venues have, have stopped. The air shows have just stopped. You know, there's probably, I don't know, a half, would you say, Dunk, that, that, that there were? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's on the decline, isn't it? Something which you said before, and it struck a chord with me, you said a change in the law to allow people to fly two-seater two Spitfires for money. Were you not allowed to do that? No, so it was always that you could actually just pay. So you're, you're like you're a passenger in an aircraft. So because of that, you know, it, it's essentially like being a mini airliner. But obviously a Spitfire doesn't meet the safety criteria of a, of a 737. So, you know, you've got to essentially it's a, it's a bit like um, uh, parachuting or, you know, a tandem parachuting or bungee jumping. I think it's basically if you accept the risk sign it and that's the CIA have allowed this to happen ah, with uh, with warbird experiences and that's 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 sort of the change of law if you like that's what's happened ah with you yeah i mean that 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 sounds very very sensible yeah um next question please friend of the pod ian savage um thoughts feeling this is a good one i like this Duncan, start with this one. Thoughts, feelings on flying to Berlin and back in a P-51D Mustang during World War II. Would you have wanted to do it? Yes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, I Just so for me, I've never flown one. I would bloody love to fly a Mustang. It, uh, uh, the, you know, the Spit is great and, you know, is probably the legendary aeroplane of all time i would say but the mustang i just have always loved the lines of it the shape of it and what it did you know the fact that it really it broke the mold in terms of its range the fact it could go all that distance when i speak to people that have flown it they go well it's not a it's not a patch on a spit um in terms of handling it had quite a vicious high-speed stall and um but i I would 
uh, I, I think that that uh, not only just flying that aircraft, but that mission, when you've got all of those those guys in those vulnerable bombers and someone needs to look after them. And I think that would be uh, certainly something that would, you know, inspire me to keep going up. Hopefully you, you, you never know, do you, but day after day to go and, uh, and, and keep flying along with the boys and try and uh, keep them in the sky rather than being shot out of it. Uh, can anyone explain the, the Mustang to me? Because, as I understand it, it has the same engine as a Spitfire. It doesn't look eventually. It it doesn't look particularly much bigger than the Spitfire. How did it get its range? More fuel. But it, yeah. was that just through drop tanks? And couldn't you not just put drop tanks no, on the Spitfire? No, internal fuel. I think it had. Well, this is, but you know, circa a couple of hundred gallons. You know, it was almost double the internal fuel of a Spitfire. Yeah. But, but having said that, you know the internal fuel of the mark 19 that uh, that we all flew that was i think they could get about sort of over 200 gallons when they had the leading edge wings were full of fuel but then obviously it had no armament so whereas the clearly the mustang did so as a as a fighter it was uh, it, it had a you know it did have a ridiculous amount of fuel it had a very very modern wing a laminar flow wing which was uh, you know quite efficient at the time um, it had big underwing tanks as well, though, didn't it? Which yeah, they would jettison when they went into action. Yeah, as as did the Spitz as well. You know, they 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 all, all went for jet. Yeah, and the, yeah. The, and the one and nines as well. Everybody, you know, obviously went for that. But yeah. I think it was just a, you know you watch the takeoff performance and kind of what you're you're alluding to is that you know he's got the same engine as the Spitfire and it's going to be a lot heavier with all that petrol. And if you do watch the takeoff performance, you know, Spit will get into the air a lot quicker than the Mustang, but. You know, it, it it's just you you kind of the boys who've flown you say once you you wind it up, you know, and it, it just it's just a great aircraft for what it does. Uh Dunk said before, um the lads that have flown a Mustang and and a Spitfire. Um how common is that? I mean, how many guys do you know that, that have that have a Mustang or have flown one? And also yeah, the Spitfire. There's a fair there's a fair few and, and you know that our um, well, you know, Bar Parkey then once he left going into the sort of civilian field of aviation. But a lot of the guys that um, the, the Warbird collections would have a, a gang of dudes that they would fly all of the aeroplanes. So they wouldn't just, you know, fly one particular type. So they these guys who, you know, were lived and breathed aviation and just did nothing else. And they sort of got in with, you know, the a particular collection of aircraft. Um and, you know, they might have a Thunderbolt and a Mustang and a Spitfire. Uh, and the guys you. tended then, you know, to to not necessarily graduate, but once they got a bit of experience, they would start flying all of them. So if you were one of those pilots that was um, part of a collection, let's say the fighter collection at Duxford or whatever it was, then you tended to get to to be able to multi-type, really, to fly those different aircraft. Does that sound about right, Parker? Is that what you Yeah, asking? definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, boys fly, you know, lots of types. You know, yeah. I would read like the Pete Kinsley of this world. I mean, it just—it's it, extraordinary the amount of types he's flown. Amazing, you know, and displays beautifully. I'd—I'd I'd love to read like, on all of them. Just see how they all compare. Yeah, well, they're out there. They are out there. Well, mm. just the different marks of Spitfire on the BBMF flew completely differently. Mm. Um, 
so yeah that would that uh, that would be interesting there's um there's actually a conversation that appeared on uh, on twitter after that uh that one i think parky you've answered it you know so, uh mark mark gsxr uh, how did this Mustang manage to have such a huge range advantage over the Spitfire when the similar sizes use the same engine type? Mustang could go to Berlin, Spitfire barely made it to the French coast. 184 gallons, I googled, um, fuel in the Mustang. And how, and how many, how, how much in a Spitfire? Well, eight, 85 was the uh, the standard internal of the the nines. The, uh, and oh. then they, they would have 60 gallon drop tanks, I think, or maybe they had even bigger Oh, so a massive difference then. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because if you think that's Mustang Mustang internal fuel, they'd have had drop tanks as well. Yeah, they, which is what they range. You know, that's why they were so brilliant. And once they got up to that altitude, they'd go forever. Yeah. Oh. Um, in a similar vein as well, another friend of the pod, Lisa Harding, Sketch Lisa, um, who's been puts out some really good photography tweets recently. Um, She's asked us, would any of, uh, and returning to the beginning of the podcast here, would any of you fly around the world in a Spitfire like the chaps from the Silver Spitfire? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, only yes. if I could stop off in great cities. I, I, w- I wouldn't be interested in uh, stopping off, I don't know, somewhere awful. It'd have to be like Rome and New York and Vegas. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm only going to go to fun places, though. So, so you you wouldn't revisit Prague? Is that, I would is that not revisit Prague. In fact, I'm going to fly west and only west, a bit north and then west. <laughs> I think the, that, uh, I think uh, it would be fantastic. It just depends where you are in life, doesn't it? As as to you know whether you have the the time and the money to to be able to do it. And, the, yeah. and these guys do. And uh, you know, our mate Smithy is part of that uh, Silver Spitfire gang. Um, who are going? He's going to. Is it a PT six that he's flying? PC twelve rings a bell, but it's PC twelve. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, so I mean, what an adventure! Well, uh, I know, just, I've just I think it'd the... be fantastic. Uh, I, th- I think so too. Can you imagine? And uh, you know, I think a fair old um, hint of jeopardy amongst all of this as well. I saw. I saw they tweeted the other day that. Um, uh, you know, the boys were doing sea drills uh, because of where flying over. But I'm just looking at the route now. If you go to their website, silverspitfire.com, um, it animates it. But they go from the UK up north by Scotland um, up to Iceland. So from Iceland to Greenland, uh, Greenland down through Canada to uh, US, looks like down to sort of New York type area, directly across the, uh, the United States down to looks like sort of San Diego type area, um, up the west coast there into Alaska. Alaska across to Russia, Russia down through Japan, South Korea, um, China, could be Hong Kong, um, into Singapore, Malaysia, um, flipping heck, uh, Sorry. across through into India, uh, across the top of India, um, and then down, uh, looks like uh, the UAE or Qatar, um, up through the Gulf, across into Egypt, um, and then uh, up, it uh, looks like Crete, uh, Greece, Italy, um, middle of Europe, France, and then back. Wow. That is, that is it does, I'll tell you what's quite incredible, actually, as well, though, is the, um, the amount of publicity that they've managed to get for it. Because, you know, I think it's quite a well-known thing now. Um, and I think they had... It must be a replica, a replica of it in one of the 
uh, was it Terminal 5 at Heathrow? Yes, um, no, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, and they've got a, a life-size replica of it, you know, in Terminal 5. You think the people, the amount of people going through there and seeing that. So to actually um, get people on board to, to to have it advertised effectively in, in the middle of Heathrow uh, is, is quite something, isn't it? It's amazing. Do you guys know who Dexter Holland is, by any chance? Dexter Holland. It, the yeah. name rings a bell. What, he was the um, lead. The reason it just come, popped into my mind. He was the lead singer, or something to do with the band uh, Offspring. Yeah. Now yeah. he he apparently flies around the world fairly frequently in in his private jet. That that um uh, that's his thing. That's pretty cool. What he just flies it. Literally just flies it. Like he's been around the world uh, world a couple of times now. We, we need to get in touch and we need to live podcast whilst yeah. flying around the world in a Gulfstream 550 or whatever it is. I'm not sure I'd fancy flying over Russia, though. That's, that's, that's the other thing. Well, hey, so speaking the point, of... Going, uh, yeah, go on. We're not, it's not live podcasts, but um, Goddess and I are going to do a pilot episodes special. <laughs> well, we're we're, we're going to do an outside broadcast for yeah. Flying Legends on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, so, amazing, yeah, because you're going down there. We're having a little bromance, and it's really only because of you, JB, to be honest, because he didn't invite me before. It's because you can't go that I, know, I got the bloody spare wedding. ticket, apparently. So I, I know what the pecking order is. Uh, and uh, so. yeah, we're it's, having it's a little... because JB's got the recording equipment. Uh, well, if I'd have known, I'd have, I'd have bloody posted it down, and then you could use it. Well, I should have I should have got in touch, because I, I, I thought, well, I'll, buy, I'll buy a little, you know, a, a recorder. Did you realise um, how, uh, how, how expensive that they were? Well, I did, and then I said, oh, yeah, well, I'll get one anyway, and my, my wife may well have told me that <laughs> idea. <laughs> so we're going to attempt to use the iPhone. So in standard um, pilot episodes pod um, tradition, it may well be slightly khaki audio, but uh, we're, we're getting a tour of the flight line and everything. So um, oh, we'll how just... cool. We'll we'll have a we'll dit on and see if we can meet some interesting people that aren't us and uh, and just chat to them about probably about all of the things that we've we've been talking about this evening. Amazing stuff. Um, yeah, uh, that 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 will be very very cool. Um, couple did... more questions then. So uh, from at flap sixty two, Mark Welsh Frog, who we did see at the Harry reunion the other day. Good to catch up. Um, interesting question actually. What is the greatest single piece of flying skill you've witnessed? Now, clearly, Dutch Holland replied and said, my circuit's the other week. But um, what do you boys think? <laughs> I mean, clearly, you were in it when it was happening. But, um... uh, yeah, it's not Holland. Definitely uh, not him. No. Uh... I, you know, honestly, when I've been wowed, it's, and, and this is witnessing, I mean, I genuinely think the Matador display guys... Um, who is it, Jones and Bonham, uh, as some of the best formation I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that is true. That's impressive to see. And I, I, that is pure flying skill to me. Yeah, it's very good, isn't it? I think that scene that Ray Hanna did in Piece of Cake where he flew under that bridge and it yeah. was the first take. And, and the, you know... If anybody, it must be on YouTube just to sort of Google it, but it is yeah. just a small bridge on, yeah. I would describe it as a medium-sized river, which looks a bit twisted. 
and how he got. I think Parky's having a stroke. Yeah, poor Parky's dead. The arch of the did I? Did you lose me? Yes. Yeah, we lost you there, Parker. I thought you were having a stroke. I was. I was trying to remember that acronym for someone who's having a stroke. Fast. Face. <laughs> arms. Uh, <laughs> face. Arms. Fainted. Can you hear that? Speech. Yeah, I can hear that. <sighs> Is Parky at work? <laughs> Parky commuting to work. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched no, but, that clip and it is brilliant. But that's not witnessing. I mean, we all saw it, but that's not witnessing it, is it? I have so, to what, say, so what right, have you actually seen? With you. What have you actually seen? I, I was, So I remember being uh, when I was on the uh, conversion unit. Uh, and I was flying with a dude called uh, Kiwi Macintosh, who was also at the reunion the other the other night. Yeah, and uh, so I was learning V-style. And so it was all a bit tentative, really, and all a bit, well, this is a bit dangerous. And um, uh, and Kiwi had been there for a while. Uh, and I watched him uh, strip Stowe off this tiny strip and um, pirouette this Harrier Don't down. Don't strip Stowe. Ah, yeah, that's a very good question. Sounds like a building term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's um, a short takeoff off a very short strip of concrete, so pff, 800 feet long, which sounds like quite a big bit of concrete, but when you're in a 20-ton jet, it's uh, it's not. So um, he um, – th- this was in the sort of vertical – uh, flight regime where he's jet borne the whole time so the sort of normal rules of flight don't really apply anyway he flew this aeroplane um, jet borne um, and had it going backwards and pirouetting round and then stopped directly over a pad and vertically landed and I have to say I was pretty bloody impressed <laughs> there you go well I mean Parker you've witnessed uh, thousands of air shows is there anything that stands out at an air show that you've seen Oh, blimey. You know, so, so much. But a lot of this, sort of the gobsmacking stuff, you kind of think, is that the jet, that's the pilot? You know, I remember seeing the first thrust vectored flanker and obviously the F-22 and all of those bits. And it's just trying to get the balance between, you know, the actual, the raw flying skills, which it probably was, you know, I, I bet back in the day in a sort of, you know, an old Harrier, you know, you're working hard, aren't you, compared to, you know, even the GR5. It must have just been in easier beast to fly you know and put into a small you know clearing i would guess but i'm I'm just sort of i've seen a load of you know there are just some exquisite displays out there that the boys do you know and and a lot of the 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 formation as well Hmm. really hard to sort of pinpoint one at the moment i'm I'm struggling yeah and and i guess you're right if if, if you if you're looking at stuff on youtube i've always liked i've retweeted it i think the other day that the fake drunk pilot at US air shows oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Really good. In, with the cub is amazing yeah. skill. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is really cool. How about on a different note, um, the uh, landing on the Hudson of the, uh, yeah, of the yeah not far the wrong there. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a decent bit of skill. You, yeah. you are correct. Yeah. What about you, JP? I mean, again, you've seen, you, you've seen all of YouTube as a, as a layman, if you like, well, I don't you're think... expert at, at aviation stuff now. But, you know, anything stand out to you that might be skill? Uh, well, to be fair, um, I don't I, 
thing is with aviation, it's ridiculously hard to film because everything's going so fast. And if you're stationary, you don't actually get to see much flying. So in terms of YouTube, which I've watched back to front numerous times, there's not actually that much. So, And also, I've not seen much flying either. So um, I'm a bit, a bit at a loss here. Just to put this into perspective, the most impressive thing I've ever seen by a country mile was that F-16 at Farnborough. And that's not even that impressive. I thought that was incredible. Have you been to many airships? Farnborough is the only one that I've ever been to. Oh, look at that. And you had to give up a, a go at the Flying Legends this weekend. I know. I know. Gutted. You've got to put up with me now, Goddard. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, shame. I, I, I was, I was going to say something there about flying skill. Oh, uh, uh, it's gone. But we're going to yeah. go to the carrier soon, so, so, oh. so that's fine. No, I, I tell you what, the... Um, there's some really, I guess because of advances in GoPro technology, there's been some really cool um, videos put out online from, you know, from the blades. Someone, I retweeted someone the other day that had this sort of stabilized GoPro. It just looked like someone out in a sort of training spin aeroplane who went into a spin and the, and the GoPro is sort of stabilized and it looks like the aeroplane is rotating around the, yeah, around the GoPro. It looks ah, amazing. Um, that is brilliant. smart. So I think, yes. Yeah, so I think. I think you know the point you make, JB, about uh, you know certain things that appear on on YouTube. I think people are getting more and more um, adventurous with how they film stuff from GoPros stuck on wingtips and you know and that sort of thing. Yeah, in, in terms of actually things to watch, right? I tell you what's really impressive. There's a French film, and I, I don't know what it's called, but if you look up um, if you look up uh, Mirage 2000s on YouTube. There's a French film, and it has got the most beautiful shots of Mirage 2000s. Yeah, Knights of the Sky. Uh, night, uh, yeah, Knights of the Sky. Is it? Um, yeah, Chevalier du Siècle, I think it is. Bloody hell, listen to that. What, it, because, um, do you guys remember Watty? Yep. Yeah, so Paul Watkins flew in that when he was on exchange in the Mirage. That's amazing. That's um, a guy I'd love, to, I'd love to speak to. Yeah, because the because um, that was proper HD camera and some beautiful camera work in there, wasn't it? Oh, it's amazing! It really is amazing. Did, does anyone actually watch the film? Does anyone know what it's about? I think it's about a baddie who steals a mirage. Oh, is it? And it's about the goodies trying to get the baddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, uh, are we gonna go watch um, the new Top Gun when it comes out? Damn right I am. And what do you think that they'll be flying? F-18s, I think, isn't it? Yeah, F-18s. Oh, In fact, we should, all, we should. what we should do is we should... I remember this won't happen because we're terrible. We haven't ever got together, well, since Farnborough and even Parky couldn't make that. I think the only time we've ever got together, all four of us, when was that when we went to Hendon? Uh, and Heathrow, Flaherty. Oh, uh, yeah, Heathrow, yeah, yeah. So twice in nearly two years. I've got a feeling... Yeah, quite good. Uh, what a... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. We, what, but we should, what we should do is we should all go and watch Top Gun. So we should all watch it. We should go. We should go to Man. We have a trip to Manchester. Yes. Go and watch Top Gun. Will you? Will you go in your flying suits? No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call yeah. his red one. Is, is this like? Is this like Uber Star Wars fans going dressed in their Star Wars? That's exactly to, uh... exactly what it's like. Hey, I the, found my uh, red uh, one the other day. You did what? I found my red flying suit. It was in my uh, in the top of my garage. Did in the you put drawer. it on? I did put it on. Yeah. Did Is it still? I went. I went to see Mrs. Tough. Mason. Gave her a nudge and a wink, but apparently not. Nothing. 
Um, the uh, oh yeah, so um, one of the speakers at the conference today is the um, U.S. Uh, he was a three-star is a three-star admiral, uh, General uh, Admiral DeWolf Miller, aka Bullet, and he gave a great brief on carrier aviation. He is the three-star carrier air, uh, uh, the um, U.S. Navy Air Force's boss, and he was telling me he had to approve the script for the new Top Gun film. Amazing. So, so I, he's, he thread the whole thing and he has been in charge of authorizing all of the flying they've been doing at Navy bases. So the US, the US forces have a department where if you're making a film about the, the armed forces, they will help you providing that you stick to the narrative that they want to push. Yeah, well, that's why he had full uh, full control of the script. And I also know that they do use an F fourteen. I know that they've got they've, they've filmed an F an F fourteen. I don't know in what in what capacity or how it fits into the narrative, but they they have definitely filmed one. What are, the, are there any flying? There uh, are in Iran, but I don't think it, I'm not sure if it was flying or not. But they've definitely dragged it out. Interesting. Um, yeah, that'll be for some nostalgia shot, won't it? Wandering around one, maybe. I can see it. Is it was it 14 from the um, American War of Independence? I have, <laughs> I have no idea. No when idea. They, uh, when, when they stormed the airports? Uh, could, could well be. Could well be. Uh, I, I, I have no idea why it's there. I don't know that there is an F-14 in, involved. By the way, an aircraft that was retired far too early. Uh, is a call. Uh, so I was yet again the last couple of days with, uh, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but um, one of the guys that works for our little team out in the States is uh, just Navy captain. Um, and uh, he's called Goose. He was the back, he was a backseat F-14 uh, Rio. And he, he was at Miramar at Top Gun when they were filming it. How and cool. uh, it, I mean, he, he made me laugh yesterday because he said there are several, you know, at the time there were several geese in the uh, in the US Navy but he was there and it was after that that um Anthony Edwards was uh, his character was called Goose uh, in the movie so uh you know I think I've been hanging out with the original Goose for the last couple of days hey so what did you learn in your in your carrier expo and the carrier expo um it was some really good stuff you know it was sort of current updates on what we're doing uh, um the the fact that the Royal Navy is having to pivot, there's a word, towards become uh, becoming a carrier-based Navy, which it hasn't uh, previously. You know, even with the Invincible class, it didn't, I don't think it really counted itself as a carrier Navy, Definitely but not. we are now. Um, and the lessons that the US uh, have, uh, have um, learned over the years with, you know, large carrier air wings, their transition to F-35. And then in the future, you know, all sorts of other stuff uh, from, um, you know, just helicopter aviation of, of amphibious landings, uh, setting troops ashore to future anti-submarine warfare, um, balloons, air landers. Air landers. Uh, um, you know, all sorts of different stuff. So it was it was really interesting. Yeah, when are they going to buy... When, when will the navy or the air force by an airlander such a useful bit of kit i know and we've still got to go there as well i was talking to someone that has something to do with airlander just today about this sort of thing Ooh, well we'll talk about that later uh, exactly have we got a, a, any more questions well i've got a question yes please. so why um what happened to edwards because tom cruise you know hit the big time 
Anthony Edwards, what happened to him? Died. Didn't, uh, didn't, Did didn't he, he do anything else? Yeah, he went to ER. He was in ER for years. Oh, he was, oh, yeah. yeah. I thought he died when he, when, he hit his, when he hit his canopy. Yeah. yeah I don't know what the canopy was doing in the same piece of airspace as him at the time, but, you know. Yeah, took both of his arms off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have to have a shave in your pants. It's a U.S. Navy morning um, procedure. <laughs> uh, right, well, I think that that will bring this podcast to a nice close then. And Tom, little Tom Cruise in his pants. There we go. Uh, right, gents. Um, well, we'll do this again in about a month's time. But if a month is too long for you to wait, you can go and find us on Twitter at Pilot Ep- uh, Episode Pod. You can find Goddess He on Twitter. You can find Duncan. He's on Twitter. You can even find a Lego version of Parky. He's on Twitter too. And you can find me at oh. at Jay Beardwell. Hey Parky, are you, do you think you'll ever get on Twitter or is that, is that gone now? That window of opportunity. Uh, I think that boat just settled. Yeah, well, Lego Park is doing a fine job in 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 your absence. <laughs> well, and also, and, I uh, guess uh, God and I will will do whatever we're going to do this coming Sunday at Legends. Yep. Uh, and uh, and then we will we'll probably ping it up to you in some sort of format, JB. Oh, amazing. Then... Are you going to send me an hour's worth of audio, which I've never heard before, which I have to listen to to an edit? I, I mean, I really hope that's what that. That's what you're well, implying. If you tell us what to do, JB, we'll do it. I was thinking about videoing it. Can we embed video? Uh, um, no, we can't embed video. But I tell you what, here's what you need to do. Do it without any mistakes and send me neat files. There you go. Right, Easy. that's what we'll do. Off of an iPhone. What could go wrong, Dunk? In fact, I think we could just hit record, record the whole eight hours or whatever it's going to be, and then just publish <laughs> that straight off. And send it to JB. Yeah, eight yeah. hours. Cheers, boys. <laughs> but i'm very much looking forward to that so uh, hopefully uh, you know um we'll have some short edits for you you can listen to it and we can talk about it next time Superb. right well until next month or whenever we, we uh we get together uh, we will see see you soon goodbye see you bye. Cheers, bye. imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.